So if you want to look at your turn your devices or your fighters, just make sure I read it properly. Galatians chapter 2, continuing on to what we'll be looking at. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas, so I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they, they were makes no difference to me. God did not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognised that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. When they recognised the grace given to me, they agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. It's a funny way of referring to people, isn't it? All, all they ask is that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I have been eager to do all along. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcised group. The other Jews joined in his hypocrisy, so that their hypocrisy, so that they, so that by their hypocrisy even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, "You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you have forced Gentiles to follow the Jewish to follow Jewish customs?" We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by the works of the law no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, the Jews find themselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroy, then I, I, I am really would be a lawbreaker. But through the law, I died to the law, 
so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be obtained through the law, Christ died for nothing. I just um, have a word of prayer. Lord, I just pray this morning that you open your word to us, that you help us to find application of this word, Lord, into our own lives, into our own situations, our own workplaces, and just see what you are trying to tell us through this word this morning, Lord that we can use it and that we can make sense of it and that and that we know how to approach different people, Lord. I pray this in your name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I don't trust anything I get for nothing. They say that there's no free lunches. There's always a catch. It's like if I haven't earned it, then I don't really deserve it. it would, I would like to be able to stand before God and say, well, I've done A, B, C, D, E, and that's why I'm entitled to be here. But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way at all. I've got um, three points I want to bring out this morning. The, the first one is the problem. The second one is those who we esteem. And the third one is thank God for Paul. So the, the problem, the, the problem here, Paul has been away from Jerusalem for 14 years. It's a long time. It's a long time in anybody's book. Jerusalem, the, the Jews in the church in Jerusalem could have gone huge, would have, would have moved hugely from the last time that, that Paul was there. And he had heard that the Jews there were coming out and they were saying, well, Judaizers there, the, the, the Christians who'd been converted from from um, from Judaism, were coming and they were adding to the, to the works. They were telling the Gentile believers that they needed to do certain things. They needed to get circumcised. They needed to, to, um, to eat certain foods. They had to try to make sure that they were ritually pure, that they were ritually clean. And it was causing Paul to want to go back into check. And in face value, face value, everything was the same. Even Titus, who was there, didn't feel like he needed to be baptised. But there was this undercurrent. I was re reminded when I was reading through this of a time when um, Paul and I decided to get married. And we um, went to see Pauline's parents to ask for their blessing ask for permission and I sort of I was very nervous I was very nervous Pauline's mum especially comes from a very different background grew up on the North Shore grew up in a very wealthy house where they had servants was careful about who they mixed with I don't know how she ever married a farmer but that's probably another long story Anyway, I was very nervous going there and I was thinking back to 
at the time to their only exposure to me up to that point. Like I'd been hanging around with Pauline for a couple of years, but I really hadn't spent any time with Pauline's parents. And the only exposure they had had with me was um, one Friday night, Pauline had gone away with her parents and her sisters down to Kalala Beach to their holiday house to spend the weekend. And I decided at about 10 o'clock at night after youth group that I was a bit I had a loose end and a bit lonely and I might go down and see Pauline. And that was down at Kalala, Kalala Beach. Now I'd never been to Kalala Beach. I'd never been to Nara, I don't think. And there's no such thing as a nav man or a, or a Google this or whatever. I couldn't even text her to tell her I was coming. So um, anyway, I, I went round to a mate's place and was knocking on his window saying, you know, why don't you come for a drive with me? I want to go down to Kalala Beach to, to see Pauline. He said, how to beat you idiot? It's too late. So anyway, I just hopped in the car and drove down towards an hour, thinking, oh, there's got to be signs. I'll follow the signs. And I got to Albion Park and there was a couple of hitchhikers, picked them up, dropped them off where they were going. So the night's just getting longer and longer and longer. And I was, in the end, I was going quite quickly. So that was a miracle that I got there in the first place. I didn't have an accident or some bend. I remember some bridge and I went, I was going sideways across the bridge and I thought I'd better slow down a bit. And I got into Kalala. I saw the signs, followed the signs at the Greenwall Point and then the next signs to Kalala Beach and got there. And as I'm driving into Kalala Beach, it was like thousands and thousands of kangaroos jumping in front of me, beside me, behind me. And then I got there and I thought, I hope Flower Beach is a small place, because I don't know the address. <laughs> <laughs> and I got there, it was a bit bigger than what I thought it was. So I thought, I'd just drive around the streets to look for Pauline's car, but Pauline didn't take a car, she went to the car for So I ended up in the car park on the beach and I slept in the car. Woke up the next day, went to the local post office and um, asked, where's the bar tells me? And they told me, that's a miracle. It would never happen today. <laughs> and I went and knocked on the door. Here is this Western Sydney, Durry smoking, guy who just didn't fit into this family, knocking on the door to, to see their daughter. And then when I got let inside, you know what I did? I went to sleep. <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't had any sleep from the night before. So you can understand why I didn't really fit. And why they didn't really... It was funny when we actually got around to asking them if they would bless our marriage. I was so nervous. Because I knew they didn't like me. I knew I didn't fit. So I said to Pauline, I lost my nerve, and I said to Pauline, um, Pauline, you're going to have to ask. Because <laughs> I can't. So she did. I said, if you want this to happen, you're going to have to ask. So she did. And Pauline's mum turned white, sat down on the lounge, on a chair, I can still see it. And she said, what will my friends think? <laughs> <laughs> I think I suppose we can have an afternoon tea for a reception or something. I thought, she's not pregnant. <laughs> it's just, anyway, I didn't fit. I didn't fit. And that's where 
that struggle here is happening. You see, because these these Jews were saying these Gentiles, they just don't fit. They don't they don't look right, they don't smell right, they don't do the right things, they're, they're dirty, they're defiled. They don't even have the right marks of the covenant. They just don't fit. And that brings me to my second point, those we esteem. Those held in high esteem. In, the, in our church, who's held in high esteem? The eldest. Yeah, I would have said Richard and Bill at a glance. Maybe John, Wendell. Um, I've got a mental blank. It happens often to me. But you get the picture. And if they... If Richard, say Richard stood up here one day and he said, I've had this vision from God that I believe that it's just it's no, it's no more just justification by faith, but you actually are not allowed to use a razor anymore. You can't shave your face, you can't shave your arms, under your arms you can't shave your legs. Because I believe that God made the body beautiful and you shouldn't alter it at all we would consider it, wouldn't we? No? I'd be asking about his medication. I think we would stop and consider it and try to work out, is this right, is this right or wrong? Because in this passage you have these Judaizers and they're coming in amongst these Gentiles and they are held in high esteem and they have got this message which is different. As you're sure you've been justified by faith, but you've also got to A, B, C, D, E. It just doesn't work like that. You've got to put on a little bit more. Their message carried credibility because of they were held in high esteem. These Jews had had this relationship with God for centuries. They weren't the newcomers. And that's where their struggle was coming from. How can God just accept these Gentiles just the way they are? Doesn't make sense. And that's where Paul comes in. Thank God for Paul. How can our God accept so many people so many different types of people, different groups of people. They speak different languages, different clothes, different foods, different everything. How does God accept them? We have the we have Paul, who is the most educated apostle. Taught by Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee doctor of Jewish law. He was passionate about his faith to the point that he was crucifying the church and it took Jesus Christ himself to stop him and turn him around. Three years in the desert gaining this new understanding. Fourteen years just being with the Gentiles. 
He knows what this justification by faith looks like. He knew that he was right to stand up against Peter. I mean, there's no bigger pillar in the faith than Peter and he stood up and he accused him of being wrong. The pressure was so great that even Barnabas was swayed. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a small thing. This pressure of conforming, of adding, of changing was huge and not easily dismissed. This group claimed to have been in special relationship with God for a long time. They knew they had something very special and they knew they couldn't shake it off, the old way of doing things. They couldn't get their head around that God could accept these dirty, unclean Gentiles. And then there were those who just couldn't believe that you could get something for nothing. No free lunches. Just reading from verse 19 through to 21. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's an amazing statement. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. How do we apply this sort of stuff now, today? I mean, circumcision is not really an issue, is it? Eating the right sorts of food in our Christian circles is not really an issue. Being pure, spiritual, not defiled, is that an issue? I don't know about your workplace, but my workplace is full of people who acknowledge God, but you can't see it. Does that matter? My my boss surprised me the other day. He said, I'm going to be a godparent for my brother's children. And I said to him, what are you doing, Nathan? Do you believe this stuff? He said, yeah, I do. Oh, okay. It just amazed me. I mean, in the, in the workplace, if someone says that they believe in God and still swears like a sailor, is that okay? In the workplace, if someone has different attitudes or bad attitudes towards women and still confess, to be a Christian. Is that okay? Anyway, I just thought I'd give you a bit of food for thought. I was trying to run that through my head because my workplace is full of people who get their children Christian, Christian, you don't see it. You can't see it.
not wrong, just different. That was the title I had for the talk this morning. Not wrong, just different. Just going to close in a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for for your word and and for the challenges in it. And I just pray, Lord, that you just help us to to wrestle with its truths and its concepts and be able to use it, Lord, in our interactions with, with our worlds, our very different worlds. And just knowing what is the pure substance of what you give. And when we start off with a salvation by faith, do we continue with a sanctification by faith as well? And not adding to to our walk at all with any works. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.